Hi everyone and welcome to the Changing Tides podcast. In each episode, we invite guests to have honest conversations about their mental health journeys with the goal of destigmatizing mental health within the Asian American Pacific Islander community. Due to the nature of the podcast, we'll be discussing a variety of mental health topics and possibly triggering experiences. While we and the majority of our guests are not trained professionals, we encourage you to practice self-care while listening and seek professional guidance if you or a loved one is in need of support. With that said, let's start the episode. Hi, my name is Ryan Lee, and I describe my mental health journey as ongoing. Hello, and welcome to the Changing Tides podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Yonamura. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. With this month being AAPI Heritage Month and Mental Health Awareness Month, we thought that this guest would be a special one. And that's why you saw that this was an in-person interview uh, and that little snippet that you might have seen if you're watching on YouTube. This is uh, an in-person interview that I was so happy to be able to record at the beautiful Terasaki Budokan facility with the director of the facility. Uh, I thought it'd be special to be able to finish off this special month for Changing Tides with a special guest. Again, all of our guests are special, but I thought it'd be great to round it out with an in-person interview with an amazing person with an amazing goal. And uh, he, unfortunately for me, whenever I play basketball against him, uh, makes me look like a fool. So with that said, uh, I'm so excited for you to see this in-person interview that I did with the Terasaki Budokan director, Ryan Lee. Ryan, thank you for coming onto the podcast. And as the viewer can see, if you're on YouTube, we're in person uh, at the Terasaki Budokan with the director himself, Ryan. And uh, Ryan, before I get into my questions about you and the facility and everything that's gone into it, I want to talk about this ongoing mental health journey. Well, before I jump into that, I got to say, I love the pearls. <laughs> if I knew that uh, you were going to rock the pearls, I probably would have uh, done something a little more extravagant. Well, but, bro, you uh, came out with the mustache and the Kobe's. I, I, I did not, I did not uh, do the mustache today either, but you know, it's going for a more natural look. Okay. Um, but about mental health, yeah. you know, it's something that, uh, especially in the AAPI community, is often swept uh, under the rug, um, you know, as a child. I was always told to not show emotion. I played a lot of basketball and I would cry when I lose a game and my dad would be on me, don't cry. And uh, I'm an emotional person. And I think as I've gotten older, um, I've learned that showing your emotions, talking about some of the things that maybe culturally are not as accepted or not as talked about are important. Mm -hmm. And so really appreciate Changing Tides for um, tackling this, especially um, uh, the space is a very dynamic and ever-changing space, and um, it's a tall task <laughs> to set out. Um, but every little bit matters, every little bit counts, and um, you know, just really happy to be here. You know, okay, well, tall tasks. We're talking about where we are right now. <laughs> we'll get to that, but you know, that's interesting because you know, even back when I was, you know, we're not that much of age difference. <laughs> I don't know. But like, <laughs> like when I was a kid, like it wasn't like as much on my parents, but like in sports. Mm -hmm starting at a young age you're like man i gotta be like the guy quote unquote mm. and you have to be like masculine like it's all about like flexing is this whole thing but you're right like especially professional athletes now mm -hmm. they're opening up about mental health 
So like the landscape's definitely ever growing and changing, but you know, it's, it's interesting to hear like for you, like in sports at a young age, um, it was like that for you. But you know, I did do my research on you coming <laughs> into this interview. I read up as much as I could. Don't believe everything that you read, especially not the good things, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, there's a lot of good stuff. I'll get into it. But everything that you said was about the Budokan and you rarely spoke about yourself. Mm. So, you know, I wanna, I think if that does say something about you and how humble you are, I know this might be uncomfortable <laughs> for you, but it does say something about you. So like, you know, can, can, I, can you talk about like, where does this come from? You're so humble and modest. But like, where does that come from for you? Uh, I would like to think I'm always working on being more humble and being more modest. Um, and that's the truth. Mm. I think, you know, you have to stay in that mindset um, because it helps you maintain growth. Mm. And uh, otherwise you get stagnant and you're just um, thinking about sustaining. And that's a, it's, it's, it's an okay place to be um, from time to time. But I think for me, I love the growth mindset and I mm. fell in love with that. Actually, really, to be honest, where it stemmed from, I fell in love with um, working with at-risk youth. Mm. So at my, in a past life, uh, I worked nonprofit in education and um, we did experiential learning trips for at-risk youth, um, predominantly communities of color, um, you know, marginalized youth, um, low-income families, and um, in that eight-year journey um, working with that demographic, I learned a hell of a lot more from them than they learned from me. Mm. Um, you're talking about a kid who maybe has, um, uh, let's say, is the age of a typical 11th grader, but has ninth grade credits mm. um, and is trying to work on academic recovery to catch up, um, has the emotional maturity of a 40 year old mm. because they've seen, um, you know, a family dynamic right. that, um, I mean, it would just blow, blow me away. And then maybe the social um, maturity of a 10 year old because mm. they haven't ever been able to explore the social space. And so, you know, I grew up in South Pasadena. I grew up in an upper middle class. I, um, my parents did a great job of making sure I knew the value of a dollar. You know, I, I never got new shoes because I wanted them. I got new shoes because I needed them. Mm -hmm. But still, I got new shoes when I needed them. Right. Um, you know, a lot of uh, families out there can't get new shoes and, and when they need them. And so, for me, that eight years spent working with that at-risk um, uh, population, it really uh, it, it solidified my passion for um, serving underserved communities mm -hmm. and using the privilege that I am so fortunate to have to help out the less fortunate. And so I think that helps keep me grounded. Mm -hmm. um, I remember stories, um, you know, I, I could sit here for hours and tell you about stories that just, you know, shook, shook me to my core. Um, and I really internalized those stories and um, it really helps me. Again, keeps me grounded and um, makes sure that, um, it makes sure that I really am able to soak these opportunities in, to appreciate them, to take the most uh, out of every, um, every day, every mm -hmm. second that we have here. I mean, look at this beautiful space, you know, yeah. this is what, it, what I get to call work. Um, and so, yeah, I think that the, the humility and the, um, the humility really stems from my work with at risk youth. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask you more about that, but you know, even going before then, cause again, I'm asking you about yourself. You're putting it onto these <laughs> other people already, dude. Like, like it all goes into that, but like, I, I, that's not a bad thing. Of course, it's a good thing, but 
very J.A. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, very J.A. But, you know, I want to talk about your love for basketball. Hmm. Where did that start? And, you know, I know you did uh, nonprofit work in basketball, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, the same communities that you're talking about. So when did your love for basketball start and how does it now bring you here to be the first director of the Terasaki Budokan, which, you know, the space isn't just basketball, mm -hmm. but I mean, like, look at what's around us. It's the, this huge, amazing basketball facility. So where did this uh, love for basketball start? That's a great question. Um, I actually didn't even really have a choice, to be honest. <laughs> my grandpa, who has his, uh, my, my grandparents were one of the co-founders of the Pasadena Bruins organization. Wow. Uh, that was probably in the seven, late 70s, maybe early 80s. Uh, I could be misspeaking there. So, But his banner is, is represented here at wow. Budokan. And, uh, you know, it's kind of come full circle. My, my mom and all, of my, and all of her siblings, my aunts and uncles, played for the Bruins. And so, naturally, when I was of age, uh, I started playing Pasadena Bruins. Can I pause you there? Yes. I hated playing the Bruins. <laughs> the Bruins in my age group, there is this one dude who, like, you know, he started out as the, the prototypical big guy along with me because, uh -huh. you know, big guys for Asians were, you know, 5'10". Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he grows and he's like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, oh, wow. And then he gets this jumper. Mm. I can't guard the guy anymore. That's tough. What was but his name? I can't even remember. Uh, <laughs> Gabe and Kenji, who you know, they uh -huh. remember. They know him. They played like north south with him. Okay. I was not on that level, but like, <laughs> anyway. But he torched you. Oh, he did. But anyway. You uh, know what though? It's it's about those memories, win or lose. You yeah. know, that's that's what competition in basketball is all about. But going back to my love, um, I fell in love with competition. Mm. Uh, it t teaches you so much about yourself teaches you so much about others. Um, and, you know, I, I coached basketball for eight years at South Pass, and what I was really preaching there was how do we use the game as just a medium to learn lessons that you can apply outside of the court, um, whether it's in your social life, your academic life, um, you know, your post-secondary uh, education life, if you wanted to move on to college or move mm -hmm. on to a professional career, how are you using um, the accountability that you learned at practice, mm -hmm. um, the work ethic that you learned in the weight room, in the off season, um, the resilience that you learned after a tough loss. Um, how are you using those to build healthy relationships in, in your workplace um, with your family, with your friends, etc.? So I quickly latched on to um, just that competitive element and really learning how to um, leave it all out there with your team and then walking away from the game, regardless of winning or losing on the scoreboard, knowing that you're a winner if you went out there and you tried your hardest every day. And um, so yeah, that, that I think um, that journey for me has manifested in so many ways. Um, initially, it was just as a player. I started coaching um, and refereeing probably around high school. Hmm. Um, I coached like a third grade Bruins team. Right. You know, I think it's, it's only right to go back to the communities yeah. that help raise you and make sure that you're enhancing that experience for the next generation of youth. Um, so I went back and did some coaching. I was refereeing. I did some scorekeeping, you know, just try to stay around the game as much as possible. And then in 2014, um, Curtis Takimoto and I um, co-founded Not Your Average Basketball Camp, which I'll refer to as NYABC, which is a basketball camp for special needs um, families. And um, there's no age limit. You know, we had served as young as five and um, seniors with special needs. And I mm. think that was a really great intergenerational space. And that honestly really um, opened a lot of doors for me in the way that I approached the game. Mm -hmm. um, I saw one providing access and opportunity for a community that never got access to the gym. I mean, I, I was so blessed to just 
you know, have practice once a week. When I was coaching, I was in the gym every single day. Mm -hmm. These kids, they don't get an opportunity to be in the gym. No one's reaching out and telling them, hey, you come to this open gym or right. why don't you come play with us? You know, so Curtis and I decided we need to create this space intentionally to cater to that um, demographic. And then I, I think what was a beautiful um, dichotomy there was the pairing of the uh, participant with a volunteer high school coach. So, sorry, a uh, high school aged coach, not okay. a high school coach. So I'm taking kids from my Varsity South Pass team and they're coaching now um, a kid with special needs. Wow. And I think that moment is so powerful for both sides, uh, mainstreaming, um, you know, working with people um, with different abilities. Mm -hmm. And um, for the high school varsity team, you know, they're so focused on wins and losses and uh -huh. competition. And like you said, the machismo, um, you know, being the man, hitting the game winner, breaking somebody's ankles, you know, getting to the rack and one yeah. flexing. <laughs> and the day at NYABC was about, I mean, it's a win if, if the player is on the court yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, rolling the basketball back and forth, that's probably more physical activity that they're doing or, or in, in a day-to-day -day setting. Yeah. And so it really reminds um, the players who are in competition all the time to take a step back, mm -hmm. to enjoy themselves. And, um, you know, that to me was the most beautiful thing about NYABC. So I'm still looking forward to bringing NYABC here to Budokan. Right. We haven't been able to do it in, in the pandemic. But, um, you know, I think it goes to show the true multi-use and diverse, uh, diversity of the space, so. So with that, you know, I've, I wanna, you, you kind of led me into a different question, but mm. I, you know, we'll get back to all of it, but like, when you became director, which I, I wanna get to that origin story, mm -hmm. but like, you were the director when this place wasn't even <laughs> open or fully built yet. Yeah. And then you get hit with the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> so with that in mind about the pandemic and like this like bringing uh, NYBC here, like what was that period of waiting for this place to be built? It's built and then pandemic. What was mm. that like for you and the, the staff here? A lot of words and emotions come to mind. Um, patience mm -hmm. is something that uh, that was necessary. Mm -hmm. It's not a strong suit of mine, but patience, um, it was difficult. I mean, you know, there's there's no way around it. Um, a lot of these businesses are pivoting. Word of you know, word of the pandemic, right? right. Pivoting, uh, navigating new uncharted waters. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a restaurant or small business in Little Tokyo and you primarily um, were dining, now all of a sudden you're um, looking at delivery and online ordering and takeout. Right. And if your business model is not ready for that, then that shift is taxing taxing on the owners, taxing on the visitor, uh, the customers, taxing on your team. And so for us to not even have a business model, right. I mean, we had one on paper and, you know, we were very confident in it, obviously over the 20, 25 years of the life of planning for the ops of this project. But until you're actually here mm -hmm. and you implement it, you know, it's just kind of ideas on a page. And so um, to pivot before even implementing your original plan, yeah. uh, it, was, it was tough. Um, you know, a lot of times, uh, we were building the plane as we were flying it, mm -hmm. and uh, 
it was scary as hell, <laughs> but uh, I think really what kept um, our team grounded was our faith in the project and our faith in, in ourselves and um, our team, really. Um, I love the team that we've built here at Budokan. Our ops team and the capital campaign team and LTSC have been unbelievably supportive in the work that they've carried out through the pandemic using Budokan um, you know, as a hub to dispatch volunteers for the LTE Eats program, which provided meals for um, seniors, uh, discounted meals for seniors while also patronizing small businesses in the community and giving volunteers a reason to come get out of the house and, and be involved. Right. So, you know, it's a win-win-win um, program. And that's something that, you know, was really engaging. And I definitely volunteered at that. We had a, a dispatch uh, center here. We were administering vaccines to seniors um, in the pandemic, something I never thought we would be doing is right. administering uh, <laughs> vaccines in the gymnasium. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, in a way, it allowed us to explore a lot of these uses that might have initially seemed tangential hmm. to our mission but now have become a core piece of who we, who and what we stand for at BrutalCon. Um, so it's kind of blown the roof off of this place in yeah. terms of what we can do here, right? Um, a voting center, you know, we we're gonna do that again. We were uh, doing the vaccines. We did a round of boosters in December. We were talking about doing a silent disco here. <laughs> like, you know, who, who would have thought silent disco? Dodgeball league, uh, pickleball, you know, yeah. those were not in the business plan, but uh, you know, those have arose as needs from the community. And I think a community center, a, the, the truest community center serves the needs of the community. Right. So we need to be amazing listeners um, and um, hear kind of the voices that um, often go unheard here and make sure that we're catering to those, mm. um, to those populations that would love to see those types of, of unique activities here. Yeah. Because that's like one of the first things I was thinking about, like when this place opened was, man, what horrible timing. That was a bunch of businesses, <laughs> but for you guys, like what horrible timing. But then the different ways that you utilize this space were ways that you wouldn't normally expect. That's right. Like, especially when it's such a state of the art, wonderful, like gym, like not downscaling, but turning it into a totally different use of a vaccine mm -hmm. location or like a hub for LT Eats. Mm -hmm. It's such a, it does like open up your perspective, I guess, in a way that you wouldn't normally expect. I didn't really think about it that way. 100%. But um, getting back to now you becoming director here, back in 2019, right? 2019, yeah. So how did that come about for you? Uh, and what was that process for you to become the first director here? Mm. Exhilarating. Um, I, I've told people in the past that if I were to have dreamt up a dream job for myself, it would have fallen short of what I get to do here at Budokan. And um, I guess that's, again, going back to there's not a day that I don't feel um, lucky and blessed. And that's where, you know, the humility plays a huge part of, of my work here because I am so lucky and I am so blessed and I understand that. Um, mm. You know, we're sitting in my office. Right? It's, just, it's, a, it's a beautiful, uh, it's a little small, you know, but we, make it, we make it work. Yeah, it's just 14,000 square feet, you know, no big deal. Um, but um, I initially, so, you know, in a weird way, I've been preparing for this job all hmm. of my life. Um, I was really involved in Little Tokyo and in the JA community uh, as a kid. So I would come here, I would get Imogawayaki from uh, 
Mitsuru Cafe with my mom. We'd come in the little, you know, we'd watch them flip it over. Uh -huh. Always get the fresh ones, come out in that little foil pack. And, you know, there'd be four or five. And I'd sit in the back of the car eating them on the way home, <laughs> driving up the 110. And so I made memories here as a kid. Um, I participated in junior YBA. I was on Southern District Cabinet. Um, so I was building a network here. I didn't even know it. You know, mm -hmm. Rising Stars participated in that. If Kizuno was around, I would have been in that. I right. would have been in an NCI intern. I would have done the summer camps. I would have done it all because I just loved um, what those organizations brought and gave to me. It gave me an opportunity to explore my cultural identity. It gave me an opportunity to um, uh, be passionate about the rich history and culture here in Little Tokyo. And not just here in Little Tokyo, but also my Pasadena Bruins mm -hmm. and Pasadena Buddhist Temple community up there as well. I remember um, polishing the benches, uh, you know, in the temple with my grandparents. Um, and at the time, I would just do it because I was spending time with them. And you don't realize like all the sweat equity that you're putting into these places and how deep of a connection you're making um, and all the social capital that comes along with it, right? Building these relationships with the people that you're brushing shoulders with that you may have polished a bench together yeah. with. Um, now I'm asking for letters of recommendation <laughs> as I move into the next phase of my life. And so, um, you know, all of those relationships, they played a role in kind of my me becoming the director here. Mm -hmm. um, I coached Yonsei basketball. Um, I was involved uh, as a player. Um, and so just kind of being plugged in to the JA experience here in Southern California um, was really key. I think a big thing too was, I, I believe it was in 2017 or 2018, NYABC donated 100% of our profits um, from a clinic uh, to Budokan wow. to uh, help, you know, just it was like a, a pee in the ocean, <laughs> let's be honest. It was probably, you know, 500 bucks max, but, uh, you know, every little bit counts. It's something. And, I mean, yeah, and I remember, you know, seeing Kim come out and she was so appreciative. And, and at the time, you know, I mean, we knew each other, but, um, you know, she was, that capital campaign team, you know, hats off to them because they grounded out for so many years. But, um, you know, that kind of got uh, us re-engaged in mm -hmm. the project. And then I had just gotten the varsity coaching job at South Pass. So um, I remember in my interview, uh, I said, you know, you're looking, I think you're looking for a unicorn. Uh, you're looking for somebody who's got experience with at-risk with at youth, which I had at Pathways uh, working with in uh, experiential education. You're looking for somebody who's plugged into the JA community, which just I naturally fell in love with. So right. you couldn't get me away even if you wanted to. And somebody who uh, comes with the facility management, like with the varsity program, the basketball aspect. And, and I told him, I said, you know, I think I'm as close to that unicorn yeah. as, as you're going to get. And um, well, I guess here I am. So I, I should remove this hat and show everybody my little, uh, <laughs> my, my purple mane. And my, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, it's just very lucky, uh -huh. very fortuitous. And, you know, my message going out to the next generation, because I have a, a, a passion for education, right? Coaching and, and working in that field for so long. Um, my, my advice, unsolicited advice, I'll be it, but my advice would be, Never miss an opportunity to build a relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, you're nowadays there's so much emphasis on education and and you got to have the hardware. Don't get me wrong. Uh -huh. uh, you know, you got to you don't have to. But, you know, it sure helps to 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 have that. But what's most important is having an established network, um, making sure that you have healthy relationships, both personally and professionally. Right. And um, that ultimately is going to lead you to a more fulfilling and happy either personal or professional career. One thing that strikes me from what you just said mm -hmm. is the importance of community and fostering relationships and like what 
when did that become something instilled in you? Have you always kind of been naturally like a like an extrovert, or was it something that your family gave you, or like what is it about community, JA or not, that has mm. drawn you into different people? Mm. That's a good good question. I don't think I was naturally extroverted. I'm definitely extroverted now. Mm. Um, I remember when I was young. I must have been five. Uh, I really wanted Orange Julius. I don't know if anybody's Orange Julius fans out there. It's a, old thing it's a, it's a nostalgic 90s thing yeah <laughs> nostalgic 90s thing anyway my mom said if you want it you could order it and so i told her no I'm, i don't want it anymore you know, i didn't even want to talk to the person who's right. behind the counter i was so shy and uh she goes no you said you wanted it <laughs> you're gonna order it so i was lucky to just have you know supportive uh -huh. parents who really pushed me to get out of my shell i think sports also played a big role in it um, you know, basketball is a team sport, so you have to be communicative, right? And um, if you're not communicating, then you're not going to win. You know, mm -hmm. you got to work as one unit, not five players out on the court. And so it kind of gave me a voice. And, um, and then coaching, obviously, you know, I think mm -hmm. that um, in that realm, you have to be uh, vocal. You have to be a role model mm -hmm. and um, use your voice in a positive way. You know, the words that you say, um, they're the most important things that you have. They create feeling, they create emotion, meaning. Mm -hmm. um, like, put it this way, this whole podcast is based on what I'm saying to you, you right. know? And, <laughs> and that in itself, the, the word is the most powerful thing that you have. Mm. So I think, you know, realizing that and using that um, just became something that I fell in love with, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I've, I've been saying, you know, like I wanna talk about you and know more about you. Hmm. I still do, but <laughs> talking about the importance of this space and what it means to like how all your jobs before this have kind of led to this point. And this is like the dream job that you couldn't ha you have even dreamed up. Mm -hmm. But I don't think many people besides like maybe the employees of LTSC and the longtime supporters know the importance of this facility and the literal decades that have gone mm -hmm. into it. So I know there's a lot of years to cover here, but can you give like a brief history of, of the Terasaki Budokan and what it actually symbolizes to Little Tokyo? Hmm. I, I would have to start the story at World War II. Um, go back to uh, the internment camps. You know, my grandpa and my grandma who are represented here, who started the Bruins, they experienced that. And, uh, you know, coming out of the war, um, they were not, they were not accepted, right? They were told to um, get rid of their Japanese names and, and take on you know, traditional American names like Kevin or Chad, Michael, right. or Matthew, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> my middle name is James and that's after my, my great-grandfather. Uh -huh. And um, so, well, in doing that, you know, you're kind of, um, losing uh, a lot of that uh, cultural lineage and, and um, that the richness that I think people are, are seeking nowadays. Mm -hmm. So out of that came these community basketball leagues um, as a way for people to stay connected. Right. Um, it was kind of the glue um, or the bonding agent that gave folks a reason to get together and uh, to play with one another because uh, Japanese Americans weren't just invited to go play in, in these rec leagues with other kids at that time. Uh, you know, fast forward 80 years, it's still the glue. Uh, it's yep. still a bonding agent for a lot of the JA uh, folks here who are involved in the athletic community. And it's not the only, you know, I, there's a lot of uh, JA diaspora who, or Japanese diaspora here in, in um, 
in the nation even that don't play sports and right. you know that's it but for those who do i mean you know the, the j leagues or right. something that's like well i mean both of, both you and i play in the yeah. j leagues and you have vivid memories of getting scored on <laughs> uh, you know that those are those are the experiences right. that we want to pass on to our kids um and so well not getting scored on hopefully you're doing the scoring yeah. but <laughs> every now and then yeah 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 there you go um but so I guess the, the point being is that the basketball or the, the sports leagues, basketball, baseball, um, volleyball, those were kind of a way to keep the community alive, keep the community engaged and keep the community together. Mm. So what better place to bring them together than here in Little Tokyo, a community that faces so much gentrification, so many outside pressures. Um, you know, it's really, really difficult to stop the uh, Starbucks and the McDonald's and the subways um, from encroaching on this community space that should be reserved for cultural institutions, mom and pop businesses. Um, and so that I think is where the um, dream of having a rec center here in Little Tokyo began. You can use it as a hub, as a space for people to gather, to play, but more importantly, after they come here, they can eat, shop and play, patronize right. uh, local businesses and really ultimately invest in things going on here. So that began in the 90s, early 90s, there's a big push um, and takes a long time, you know, to gain community control of city-owned land, especially here uh, in an urban, urban environment, you know, downtown. I mean, I think at the time in 2011, this was an $8 million parcel and um, the city turned it over to LTSC with a promise to build um, uh, the facility here um, for a dollar a year uh, land lease for 50 years because mm. they saw the um, impact that a recreation center could have not only in Little Tokyo, but for um, Skid Row, Echo Park, um, Chinatown, and the rest of downtown, uh, Arts District and the rest of downtown. So, uh, you know, it took a long time, 2011, till we finished uh, construction in 2020. We raised $34 million, which, I mean, it's unbelievable. Every year, the project costs went up. <laughs> you know, the capital campaign team, Scott Ito in particular, he always makes a joke. Like he hit his fundraising goal four times. You know, <laughs> he's like, "All right, I'm done." Looks at the project costs; it's three x of what it what it was, you know, two years ago. Uh -huh. and, and so, um, but all good things are worth waiting for. And I've been saying that about our grand opening, about this facility, and now you can really see the positive impact that it's having. Um, we have a dedicated brochure. It's called Play Little Tokyo. Um, be, be sure to grab it on the way uh, if you're ever here at the facility, but it highlights mm -hmm. legacy and small businesses. It has a map of Little Tokyo. There's advertising space that we've provided for free. Nice. Um, and, you know, that's part of our mission here is to serve the community. A rising tide lifts all the boats. So, um, you know, if Little Tokyo is hurting, but Budokan is thriving, th that's that's not going to be the case, right? Mm -hmm. If Little Tokyo is hurting, we're hurting. Mm -hmm. if, if we're thriving, Little Tokyo is thriving. And so um, I think it's important to look at the ecosystem in its entirety um, and so that rec center plugs in perfectly to the rest of the ecosystem that is already here in yeah. little tokyo and so a couple things i want to add on so first is i when i first started playing in the the for and all these leagues i didn't know the cultural relevance at the time mm. so like when kids like when i told the kids like i played basketball on the weekends whatever like i'd be like Oh, just some like club basketball league. Like mm. I felt like weird saying Asian basketball. Yes, Asian yes, league. yes. But like once you learn about the cultural relevance of World War II, the concentration camps, and the impact of why they were made, it's something that you I wore on my sleeve. It's like no, I was proud. I'm proud to play in this JA league and like make these friends and form these relationships and make these memories. 
So I'm really glad that you shed light on that because I think, you know, let's say there's a kid listening to this or, you know, maybe some kids played in the league and they didn't know the cultural relevance. Mm -hmm. It's like, a, it's a great way to, to share it on a platform. Mm -hmm. But to go on to, you know, the relevance of this place, and I'm glad you connected it all the way back. But one thing that Margaret uh, Shimada and Mike Morase, who have been longtime LTSC employees and, um, one thing that they really told me about this place when I got hired at uh, LTSC was the, the Budokan is, uh, it's a footprint. It's to say, we're here to stay. Yeah. Cause there've been times when L when little Tokyo looked like it could have vanished in yeah, the past. hundred percent. And like, for me, that's a weird thing to imagine mm -hmm. about not having little Tokyo, but this is saying we're here to stay. Yeah. So rec center, it's a unifying place, but it's also a symbol of w little Tokyo, Japanese culture in, in LA, it's all here to stay. Mm -hmm. um, so with all of what you said, I try to throw in a little bit of extra context, but <laughs> yeah. every, just knowing the history of this place, like what does it mean to you, this full circle thing where mm. your grandparents to be the director here? That's what it means. <laughs> just a yeah. sigh, big <laughs> sigh. Um, you know, to be honest, it means that there's still a lot of work to be done. Mm. Um, I think that having a place like this and celebrating it, uh, we just, you know, had our grand opening um, yeah. a year and a half after it was supposed to take place. And um, that kind of tied that up nicely in a bow. But now the real work begins, you know, the work of making sure that we're engaging um, the market rate residents here yeah. in, the, in the brand new, brand spanking new, uh, you know, market rate housing. And how do we convert them into yeah. uh, healthy community members who are showing up to community meetings, yeah. um, you know, um, investing in, in the community here, building a family and, and staying, getting involved, um, whether it's here at JACCC, uh, Gopher Broke, National Education Center, Janum, um, mm -hmm. some of the other uh, East-West players, these, I mean, I could go on and on and yeah. on, um, but, you know, patronizing businesses here. Um, so, you know, to me, what does it mean? It means that we still have a hell of a lot of work um, and uh, uphill battle, I would say. And it's, it's a good place to be though. You mm -hmm. know, it's a good place to know that you have work to do um, and that you're not resting on your laurels. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, that's in basketball, you call it a trap game, right? <laughs> like, oh, it's, or like a, a hangover. You come off of a big win yeah. and you slump the next day. Well, we can't have a hangover. There's no right. time for that. Um, you know, now it's time to uh, double down. Now it's time to put our, uh, you know, the pedal to the metal and make sure that we're using the momentum that we've gained from grand opening and from these 20, 25 years of grassroots, you know, campaigning and marching in the streets. And we capitalize on that now mm -hmm. by um, converting those folks into program participants, right. into renters of the space, into organizers of free and open to the public community events. Um, volunteers, um, donors, uh, you know, you name it. So, um, yeah, when I think about it like that, I got to get off this podcast and <laughs> go, go send some emails. And, uh, no, just kidding. Of course, I can always make time for, for changing tides. Appreciate this is such an important, um, it's such an important piece. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that's surprised me as of late is the like cultural side of things outside of like JA, but like making waves in like undefeated <laughs> like you guys are listening on the undefeated like yeah. listen to la gems <laughs> like my buddies who like 
I got Union LA, like mm-hmm. they come to the Little Tokyo Table Tennis yep. Club, yep. and like, like, in the pop culture side, Terasaki Budokan starting to make its name, <laughs> not just with like the JA community and like the older folks, but it's pretty cool to see the stuff that's happening with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but whether you like it or not, you are kind of the official face of this place. <laughs> uh mustache and all yeah unfortunately no <laughs> no you wear it with pride you know you do uh is there any pressure with that of being like a public figure you know quote unquote in that way of mm. this place pressure pressure hmm i i don't know if it's i mean yes i, I guess the easy answer is yes but mm. i don't know if pressure is the right word okay um maybe like um like a responsibility Hmm. you know pressure to me feels like um something that's like uh you don't want right Right. there's there's a negative connotation to that um no one really well i guess some people like mama mentality maybe kobe loves the pressure and maybe that's maybe that i'm not telling you i'm kobe (laughs) but uh, just a little bit you know (laughs) he just learned a lot of his moves from me but uh, um, but yeah i guess you know if you look at it like pressure it's something that you're maybe trying to escape or or maybe it's something that you're trying to rise to but i i I like to think of it more as a responsibility Mm -hmm. and uh growing into that responsibility um is important and so i think the pressure really is on the community if you want to use you know the responsibility right. right like you just mentioned undefeated and little tokyo table tennis and the far east lounge programs the senior programs that we have mikasa which is our after school youth program that's free senior programs are free mm. um so you're talking about all of these uses here and really when you talk about okay there's a lot of pressure on this place to succeed well that pressure is on all of us mm. here it's up to the community to come activate this space we're sitting in this space right now it's beautiful right but it's only beautiful when people are in it mm-hmm. you know in the pandemic it was so boring here <laughs> and that, that's just uh, i mean i loved it it was like wow this place is so beautiful i can't wait till people are here yeah i can't wait till gatorade gets spilled on the floors i can't wait till there's shoe prints on the walls i can't wait till there's toilet paper all over the bathroom uh, i say that now but i was the one cleaning it all up <laughs> but uh, that's the truth you know uh-huh. and so i think um yeah, when we talk about the pressure, of course, you know, I think head of the snake. Yeah, but, I, you know, we have a very flat organization, very collaborative team. And so in that sense, like, um, you know, we really trust in our partnerships, in our relationship building, um, whether it's with the facilitator of Little Tokyo Table Tennis, the undefeated team, the Far East Lounge facilitators, um, Mikasa, mm-hmm. um, resident services team at LTSC. You know, those are the ones who, um, who have really stepped up and, and, and I guess in a way have taken all that pressure off of our team and mm. off of me um, because they all have done such a phenomenal job of activating the space um, and I think you know once people get in here and see uh, mm. kind of the grandeur of it all it's really my job to just shut up and get out of the way <laughs> and not talk them into not using the space you know it's, it'll sell itself uh-huh. and so um, I just I like to hear myself talk so I just got to make sure I don't talk too much and uh, you know they'll walk out of here and they'll definitely want to come back so talk away on the podcast <laughs> i know i know um, but you know you talked about the the grandeur of this place and we just had the grand opening oh, i see what you did there I see what, that's why they pay you the big bucks huh? i mean eh, you know we get by but, um you know to see the grand opening happen two years after the construction completed mm-hmm. three years after you're appointed you have mm-hmm. this grand opening in 2022 mm-hmm 
was that like a day of this, was that the milestone where you're like okay this is great but now the real work starts or was it just a day where you're able to take it in and enjoy the fact that like we're finally here i soaked it all yeah. in i Good. loved every single second of it i made a joke this the day we finished i said all right let's do it again next year <laughs> <laughs> um it was so much fun i think for a long time our team had visualized it yeah. uh and we knew what it could be and even then it exceeded our wildest expectations um and that really goes to show you the amount of community support kind of like what i said um yeah you know there may be some pressure on me as a director but the community has done a great job of taking that pressure off of me and you can tell by the un unbelievable warmth and love and support um that was here at grand opening the energy and the vibe was unparalleled and i'm confident that we can recreate that mm -hmm. um you know in in another event or, or, or different different events even. Right. But, you know, everything happens for a reason, right? So in the pandemic, we talked about being tangential, uh, those tangential uses which have now kind of opened our uh, view uh, about what can be offered here, what, what we could do here. And I think the benefit of the silver lining of having to wait a year and a half for grand opening is that we were able to launch programs. We were mm. able to uh, build relationships and so instead of pulling on other folks to kind of you know come and be a part of the celebration we looked inward mm -hmm. and said this judo show tokyo or sorry yeah show tokyo kendo dojo uses our gym on friday nights to practice so let's have them perform outside we're thinking about launching a hula program so let's have that hula facilitator the um akumu the teacher let's have him bring his halal out here um we had an urban voices project a skid row uh a choir and music group right they had their coffee house um uh, concert here let's have them back out here to perform during grand opening um you know yonsei basketball has made a home here um cbo and, and jao have had, let's have them play here um and and showcase kind of the youth sports component so we had over i want i think it was over 300 total perform you know entertainers wow. um, whether it's kids playing basketball volleyball martial arts performing uh, music song dance whatever it may have been uh over 20 groups i think over 300 performers throughout the day and um just pure elation <laughs> I, we had a ribbon cutting the day before and um you know we were here till maybe about 7 or 8 p.m setting up for grand opening and mm. we had that we had pretty early call time on saturday morning and uh, someone had asked me like you gonna be okay tomorrow? I think it was Friday night setting up for a grand opening. And I said, you know, I'm planning on running on pure elation. <laughs> and uh, I did, and it got me through the day. And uh, I mean, again, like if, if we could recreate that, I would, um, I, would, I would do that work forever if it meant what it meant to the community to come out have a space, catch up with old friends. I haven't seen you in five years. Can you believe this place? Who, how, why are you here? My daughter's dancing in the hula. Oh, that's <laughs> wonderful. My son, he's playing basketball right after this. You know, we should go, go and grab some food in little Tokyo. I mean, those conversations were abundant yeah. here. And so again, while our team could visualize it, it was great to see that vision play out and um, give everybody an opportunity to enjoy that same thing that we had been seeing for years and mm -hmm. years and years. And it's amazing that you named the groups that you named as in the the community ones because you didn't even mention like Jerry West, <laughs> yeah, Sakura yeah. Kokuma, yeah, yeah, like like bigger <clears throat> names. Like of course, all credit to them, mm -hmm. but like you mentioned the community members first, mm -hmm. and I think that speaks to to you and what this space means and the the community forward aspect. So you know you're really 
practicing what you preach mm. in the community aspect. And I think that's amazing. But, you know, there's that grand opening was just last weekend uh, from when we're recording this. Mm -hmm. But what is next for what is next for not only the Budokan, but for you? Mm. I'll be on vacation through the end of the year. Uh, <laughs> no. um, for Budokan, you know, our goal for grand opening was to generate momentum, mm. right? Get people here, get them to see the facility. Um, wow, we could have uh, a concert out right. there. Wow, we could host our basketball tournament here. We could have a board retreat in the community room. Um, by the way, shameless plug, I forgot to mention J-Town Taiko, our karate program, <laughs> the partnership with Japangelist, uh -huh. the uh, small small businesses who came to vend, the Aze and Koraku, thank you so much for all of your help. And anybody else who I may have left off, I'm sorry. There's so many. There's shameless plug, yes. There's 300. Yes, I mean, that's right. The Sakura, Jerry, yeah. really appreciative of you too. <laughs> um, so again, anybody else I left off, I'm yeah. sorry. But our goal for grand opening was to build momentum. And I think it's safe to say we've accomplished that goal. So it's funny because we're three times as busy as, as before uh -huh. grand opening. We see, you know, five to 10 inquiries come in a day wow. about use for the space, about um, when you're gonna launch the youth taiko program. I can't, my kids can't wait. Mm -hmm. They've been waiting ever since they saw the J-Town Taiko Club perform right. on, on the plaza at grand opening. Um, when's the hula class gonna be? What about free yoga classes? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're looking at about, um, maybe another three to five program launches before the end of the year. Um, not to mention our regularly scheduled programming, like our right. summer camps moving into our second year, our Budokan leagues moving into our third year, uh, our third season, sorry, our um, volleyball tournaments moving into their second year, looking into launching volleyball leagues. So um, yeah, the momentum has been built. And it's funny because, you know, for a long time we were saying, all right, once grand opening happens, we'll just, you know, be able to take a breath and relax. And uh, we definitely caught our breath and uh -huh. we celebrated and, you know, we, we relished in the moment because otherwise those moments become very fleeting and, and you just are on to the next. So we definitely enjoyed it. Good. Um, but that time has come and gone and now it's time to get back to work. So um, for me personally, uh, I, might be a little too much but just got married so that was you know one of the most beautiful days um i, I got married in august but we had our wedding reception actually here oh, wow. at budokan shameless plug <laughs> great great wedding venue phenomenal staff uh there'll be promotional you know assets from our wedding uh pictures and videos and things like that uploaded on our website but it was a beautiful space um you know shout out to my partner courtney for doing all the decor and she built out all the vase all the centerpieces and she just really had a strong vision so um, you'll get to see some pictures about that, but Great. just had that on April 2nd. So March 12th grand opening, biggest event in my professional career to date. Uh, you know, uh, April 2nd, less than three weeks after, or three, three to four weeks after, biggest event in my personal life, hands down, you know. Um, again, to date, thinking about family, uh -huh. and buying a house. So, uh, But, you know, that was a hell of a time right. for me, uh, the beginning of 2022, like pent up you know, from the last two, three years and pent up demand for the last three decades for Budokan. But then to have that and just kind of be done, going to be going on a honeymoon soon, uh -huh. um, just to really spend some quality time um, with each other before we start thinking about, um, you know, starting a family. If we could be so lucky, uh, you know, maybe we could have little Courtney's and Ryan's <laughs> running around here, uh, you know, playing basketball or participating in the dance classes or some of the cultural activities here. Um, that would be amazing phenomenal 
Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, so many big things. And also, I don't know why I said the grand opening was last weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I said it's, the- it's close enough. You know, it felt like last weekend. It, did, yeah. it really does feel like it was last weekend. It like it, it, I, I last mean, weekend, last month, you know, same thing. I don't know yeah, why yeah. I said last weekend. <laughs> Thank you for not making me sound dumb on my own podcast. You're all good. <laughs> you, you did that on your own. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> but uh, um, before we get to the quick fire round, I just have some quick ones. For yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to say? I just want to thank you. Um, also thank Changing Tides uh, for all the work that they do in the community. I mentioned, you know, it's, it's a tall task and a lot of people dance around um, those tougher conversations, right? The ones that people don't want to have, the ones that make you uncomfortable, mm-hmm. the ones that are fierce and tense sometimes, but so necessary. Mm. And um, I really applaud Changing Tides for tackling that space head on. Um, you know, they got great leadership in, in you and Margaret and the CT crew um, over there. And, you know, shout out to Cortland who helped actually on the Budokan team. Um, and I know she's probably still involved with Changing Tides um, in some capacity. Uh, if she's not, shame on you. <laughs> we need to get you back in the community. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I just want to thank Changing Tides for uh, having me here. And, um, you know, if you ever need anything um, from us at Budokan or from me personally, you know, please don't hesitate to reach out. And that goes for anybody listening here today, too. You know, being a community center, uh, that's what we're here for. We're here for the community. That is on record, so we're going to hold you to There it. you go. Yep. But um, thank you, and uh, quick fire round okay. if you're ready. Yes, I'm ready. Right. So you're talking about basketball. I know you hit the game winner on the grand opening day. <laughs> yeah. But Scripted night before. <laughs> Stop it. That I was, said, I saw the footage. That was not scripted. <laughs> I said, Steve Nagano, no. Scott Ito, no. Ryan Lee hits game winner. Yeah, okay, let's do Dude, that. I saw the footage. That couldn't have been scripted. It's crazy. But you are a hooper. I've played against you, Ryan. It oh, sucks man. the guard. No, no, not at all. You're too shifty. I don't know what it is about you, but what pro do you think you play or plays most like you not plays what pro do you, like me so let's so let's make sure that's clear mm. not pro do you think you play like mm. what pro plays like you uh, <laughs> who moves well off ball and is not athletic <laughs> and uh has an okay jump shot but can't play defense got no bunnies let's go with uh kevin durant <laughs> Low key. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe not that fun. Uh, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, you know. Uh, <laughs> LeBron James, Kyrie Irving. I don't know if you've heard of any of them. Um, you know, I, 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 like I said earlier, you know, Kobe modeled his game after mine. Very so. true. Sorry to give you such a sarcastic and <laughs> kind of answer. No, but, mm. honestly, Katie is it far no, you get to, no, you no. get to your spots. Get to, okay, I get to the spot, yeah. You get to get your to spots spot. and you're kind of unstoppable. I like, I like that. You're too modest, dude. <laughs> uh, but would you rather be able to shoot like Steph or dunk like Ja? Hmm. In this day and age, unfortunately, it's got to be shoot everybody's got to have a strap and uh, it's so wild to see you know the stretch four coming out yeah big men uh, who are 6'10 hitting the corner three at a high rate it's like uh, basketball has changed yeah you know the value of the three-point shot is has skyrocketed and so um yeah and i'm a shooter too so gotta say steph curry that's fair that's yep. fair um i know you said your honeymoon is coming up i don't know if you're gonna go here for your honeymoon but what is your favorite place to travel travel Hmm. 
I'm gonna have to say somewhere where I have not been before. Okay. You know, I, I think I, I've been to Japan a couple times. Very lucky and blessed to go with the Yonsei program. Right. Highly recommend checking it out. Um, it's an amazing program, cultural exchange, and more, so much more than just basketball. Uh -huh. um, it's really an experience of a lifetime, which is their slogan. But to go back to Japan, would it be amazing? Hell yeah. Would it be as amazing as going somewhere I've never been that might not be quote unquote as amazing as Japan is? No, mm. because I think, you know, in this life, you got one shot at it. And um, I try not to be boring and routine because that's naturally where I fall. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a routine kind of guy, but getting outside of that is important. Having that growth mindset, you know, growth happens just outside your comfort zone, right? right? So Japan um, to me, because I've been a couple of times, would be comfortable. I would love to go to another continent, um, you know, maybe Africa, uh, South America, wow. Central America, um, hell yeah, Antarctica. You know? <laughs> what does that have to offer? I don't know if anyone's going there nowadays, but uh, maybe that would be a little lower on the list. Okay. Just somewhere new, I think. Very though. cool. I, I ask you, what about you? Where, where do you want to go? I'm the opposite. Mm. I've only I've I went to Japan once. I I loved it, but I only want to go to Japan. Oh. Like if I'm going to travel or back to Chicago because I okay. love Chicago. Yeah, you but, went to DePaul, right? Yeah. Okay. So I like Chicago. Chicago is really. It's I cool. can go on and on. I'm but, a city. I'm a big city guy, yeah. so I love Chicago, New York, uh, L.A., mm -hmm. Tokyo. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I would go my next like if I were to splurge on a trip, it'd be Japan. Okay. So, um, what is your favorite little Tokyo restaurant? If you could pick Ooh, one. They closed in the pandemic. Oh, really? It was Ibisu. Oh, yeah. Um, I love their karaage. It was like happy hour all the time there. Really? I think. It's like I sh I'd show up at 1130 on a Wednesday for lunch. It's like, oh, yeah, we got happy hour. Here's the, you know, discounted sushi and uh, taco wasabi. Really good. Uh, anyway. Now I am on the search uh, mm. for a new favorite spot. I mean, you have your, your favorites like Suohiro, Mitsuru Sushi and Grill. Um, you know, Aze is always uh -huh. great. Um, I also like exploring, you know, Budokan, thinking about Little Tokyo, you know, it's very on the West End, right? But we're right. also Skid Row adjacent, Grand yeah. Central Markets right here. Oh, right. Um, there's Little Llama on the backside of us, which is, I mean, literally, if, if we walk straight out this door, well, if there was a door, if we walk straight out here, less than 100 yards on this side yeah. so making sure that we're exploring the full radius here um has been nice senior mm. fish right here um mm. you know catered our wedding so wow. um but yeah i would have to say ibisu which closed mm. so on the prowl on the search for a new one gotcha i'm so sorry i know <laughs> it sucks it sucks and i like aloha aloha cafe mm. um what has been the coolest or your favorite budokan event so far if you could name one mm. It's hard to top grand opening, okay. but I think seeing CBO in here for the first time, uh. um, there's always been a dream of having kids walking around Little Tokyo in their jerseys. Right. And so to come in and watch uh, CBO play their season here, um, you know, JAO and CYC, I think is going to be starting up again in the summer. So to have young boys and young girls playing in the JA leagues here in Little Tokyo, yeah going to enjoy probably um, Somi Somi, I would assume, <laughs> or mm. Fugetsudo, uh, right. or um, Japangelist afterwards. Oh, gives me the chills. Yeah. You know, I, I would have loved to play here. Um, oh, man. So, yep. After playing in some of like the, the dustiest, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. not even wood floors yeah. sometimes, yep. yeah, I would have loved to play here yep. too. Um, if you can invite five dinner guests, mm -hmm. uh, dead or alive, who mm. would they be? Ooh, we. Ah, uh, this is gonna hit home, but um, I didn't get to spend as much time with Dean um, as I really would have liked. Um, 
he chewed me up and spit me out in my first interview. I remember, I remember, um, and I'll, I'm going to just leave it at him because mm. I'm not going to go into the other four. I, I don't even, can't even think of the other four, but mm. sitting here in this facility, talking about Budokan, talking about community, talking about Little Tokyo, it only feels right that I would sit down with Dean and just um, get to enjoy his company. Mm. Um, I remember my first, it was my first interview for the job. And I sat down in his office with Mike and Scott and he asked me if I had any fundraising experience. And I, I didn't have that much. <laughs> you know, I like maybe a couple thousand bucks here and there for South Pasadena. Um, and so I kind of, you know, bullshitted him for a little bit. And at the end of it, he goes, so you don't really have any, any, any fundraising experience, do you? <laughs> I said, no, you're right, Dean. I, I don't really, but I rely on the team and I know LTSC has, has, a, has a great uh, fundraising team. They've been doing it for a long, a long time, but he just was a straight shooter in uh -huh. that sense. And, um, you know, our time together was so short and uh, I just would have loved to learn so much from him. Um, to pick his brain, to chat him up about not only his professional pursuits here, but what he loves to do on the weekends and, um, you know, what, what his family life is like and um, talk about his younger years, you know, mm. on the East Coast. And he just has this intrigue. Um, and there's not a day that goes by here at this facility where I don't think he continues to give back uh, to the community. So, mm. yep, that would be my, my answer. That's, yeah, I didn't get to meet Dean because mm. I came in late. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, from everything I've heard, great leader for, yeah. for yeah. the LTSC team. Yeah, and these are coming from people who have led other organizations, yeah. right? Yeah. Saying that, wow, this guy was the best um, leader that I've, I've ever um, worked with, so, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I remember walking out of that first interview like, well, there goes that job. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> here we are now, right? Yeah, and here we are. So I guess I must have not have messed it up too bad, but oh, he chewed me up and spit me out. Oh, and it was, it was a good experience. Though. Good, yeah. good. Uh, to round it out, uh, what would the title of your autobiography be? Autobiography. Hmm. The mustache that precedes him. Wow. There you have it, folks. <laughs> the mustache that precedes him. There you are. <laughs> well, Ryan, uh, thank you uh, for the first in-person interview of this podcast and uh, for your time. Mm. Thank you so much. And I uh, hope everybody enjoyed watching. And I'll catch you uh, at Budokan sometime sooner or later. Steve. Thank you so much to Ryan for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, great guest, great guy. Uh, love talking to him and hearing more about him. I've always played basketball with him prior to this, had conversations here and there, but to really get to know him a little bit more was really special. Uh, so if you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to our show for more episodes that release on every other Tuesday and give us a rating or a review on your favorite podcast platform. If you would like to support our show and help us grow, you can do so with a donation at the link of the bottom, at the bottom of the episode description. To hear more about Changing Tides, follow us on Instagram at LTSC underscore Changing Tides, or check out our webpage, thechangingtides.org. I said webpage like an old, old man. Website, uh, thechangingtides.org. Uh, let's continue to change the tides on mental health. Yeah.